Hello, and welcome to Series 4, Episode 12 of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you this week? I'm good, thank you. So, this week, just to uh, remind everyone, you had Lionel Richie, Nick Haywood, Fergal Sharkey, Krista Burr, Herbie Hancock and Ray Parker Jr. So, what were your thoughts? So, I actually recognised quite a lot of songs this week. And you'll be proud of me because I've, well, as long as I've remembered correctly, I think a few are from, like, bands that we've already discussed in previous series and I think I've remembered who comes where bar one um so yeah I'm proud of myself for that I could be completely wrong and I could be blowing my own trumpet for no reason but that was yeah it was nice to recognize quite a few and kind of know where they came from or know of the person without really knowing like Lionel Richie like I know him and I knew of him before doing this but like then some of them I know through only doing this, but it was quite nice to still have that um, recognition and comfort of knowing who I'm listening to. Um, you'll be shocked because I've gone for a lot of number ones. Mm. Um, I just think a lot. I feel like this week was a strong week for some top songs. So I will be gutted if the ones that I think are number ones are low charting. But like, I won't be surprised if they're not number ones because I think I've gone for too many. Um, so I doubt I'm correct with the selection. But I have gone with three from Lionel Richie. I've gone with one from Nick Hayward. Um, I've gone with two for Krista Burr. And one from Ray Parker Jr. Mm-hmm. So, so how many lot. is that in total? One. Because I wasn't adding. Three. Seven. Seven. <laughs> there's okay. not going to be seven. You're going to be like, yeah, there's like two. <laughs> not far off. Am I not? No, you won't far off with two. There was none this week. Shut up. Yeah, no, there was three. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So hopefully out of those seven, I find the correct three. If not, I'm rubbish. And my head is not with U80s lot because U80s, U80s okay. lot are a bit okay. weird, So obviously I don't know the seven, but no. now you know it's three, which three out of the seven you've gone with are you going to go with? Let's see if you can pick the three from your seven. That's hard. Uh, Ghostbusters. Um, oh. All night long. And dancing on the ceiling. Okay. All right, let's see if you've got the number one from those any of those three. Now that you know there was just three. 
but there's another well. one from a film. Okay, no, I'll go with those three. Yeah, well, we three. shall start with Lionel Richie yep. and see if the two that you said of his all night long or dancing on the ceiling were a number one. But we'll find that out at the end of our chat. Right. So. Lionel Richie, over to you. Let's talk music. Let's do it. Lionel Richie, I've gone with soul R&B for a genre. I remember he was in the Commodores. I'm sure that's what they were called. Um, and do you know what? I was actually surprised that I knew so many because I'm pretty sure Lionel Richie spans for quite a long time. But then remembering that he's from the Commodores made me think the 80s was his peak as a soloist um, because he'd already done a band. So he weren't a soloist until a bit later. Um, what I did find out, so his first song that I listened to, Endless Love, he has re-released it. I don't know what year. Um, but he's re-released it with Shania Twain. So obviously the Endless Love in the 80s was with, was with Diana Ross and he's done it with Shania Twain. And I accidentally, the only reason I know this is because I listened to the original when I was uh, just listening as I do. But when I then go and watch the videos, I watched the videos for that one. I clicked on just the first one and I was like, this isn't what I've listened to. This isn't what I know. Why does he look old? surely this isn't how he looked in the 80s then he did it with Shania then I saw Shania Twain and I was like that's not the right person so yeah he's done that but I couldn't tell you what year but it's definitely like I wouldn't say recent recent but recent enough um I like that he plays the piano so I'm playing a piano in a few videos and I'm guessing he's someone that writes his own songs and do you know what I love about him he has stories in his songs and I just feel like his music is very unique. Like it's, it, it just speaks him. And I don't think there's anyone else like him. I think he's quite unique in his, the music style, how he sings, what he sings about. Like he's very love songs, but he's not that sickly or boring love song. You know, he has that good balance of upbeat in there as well. So I really enjoyed hearing all of that. Um, it doesn't seem to age, to be fair. Um, it looks good like him with his longer hair like his afro and he's quite he's a shirt man he likes to look good and i can't really ever picture him in like casual dress and in one of the videos um you know he had some leather trousers and i was like oh that's very 80s we're very in here but yeah i just think he's quite a unique guy okay so lionel Richie, he's from tuskegee in alabama us I think I've said that right. Tusk E G Tusk G. Not sure. T U S K E G W E. And he's been active since 1968. He's a singer-songwriter and record producer, and also a TV personality. Um, so vocalist, pianist, and saxophonist. Oh, phone as well. Yes. Um, known for soul, pop, and R&B. Got my good listening ears there. Well done. So, as a student in Tuskegee, Richie formed a succession of R&B groups in the mid '60s, and in 1968 he became a became a singer and saxophonist with 
the Commodores. So I remembered. The group signed a contract with Atlantic Records in 1968 for one recording before moving on to Motown Records initially as a support act to the Jackson 5. Oh, I didn't remember that. Uh, The group soon established themselves as a popular soul group. Uh, Richie wrote and sang the more romantic, easy listening ballads, ballads such as Easy, Three Times a Lady, Still and Sail On. Richie also started writing songs for other artists. And in 1974, he achieved his first commercial success with Happy People. Um, It was originally intended as a Commodore's track, but was eventually recorded by The Temptations, who then charted at number one on the Billboard Hot, or sorry, on the Billboard R&B chart. Uh, And it got to number 40 on the Billboard Hot 100. So that's with a song written by Lionel Richie. In 1981, Richie sang the title theme to Endless Love. Um, Sorry, the title song theme to Endless Love. Uh, The title song was a duet with Diana Ross, as you've said, and topped the charts in Canada, Brazil, Australia, Japan and New Zealand, becoming one of Motown's biggest hits. The success of Endless Love encouraged Richie to branch out on a solo career and in, in 1982 and Skylar Jett replaced Richie in the Commodores from 1983. So Endless Love is from a film? Yeah, the same name. So there was a film called Endless Love. That's the title track. And it went to number one in various countries. Do you know what I'm going to regret? And I just had this thought, so sorry to interrupt you. But if that's a number one, like I completely get it. Um, because the way you're talking, I'm like, oh no, that could be a number one. But do you know what I forget about these soloists, especially when I know they've come from a band? So when we were doing like the bands, because I know the first song you're giving me is probably their first big hit they've formed and that's their first big hit as a formed band they're more than likely not going to be number one and I don't I've got to get out the same mindset with a soloist especially if they're from a band because if they've come from a band they're already known aren't they and they've gone so how well boy George did yeah yeah how well um Adamant did yeah and And obviously um George Michael yeah, and I just thought about it now. I was like, oh, I keep forgetting. Michael Jackson. Yeah, but these lot could have a number one with their first song that you give me, whereas usually I'd be like, mm, it's the first one. That's not going to get one. And so it won't surprise me if that if I've got a number one wrong because of that. So there. Kicking myself, but yeah, carry on. So Richie released his first studio album as a soloist in 1982 called Lionel Richie. It got to number three on the Hot 200 and his debut solo single, bear in mind, Endless Love was a duet, mm, yeah. was truly 
which charted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, did it really? Because that was his first solo that single. That was his first solo, yeah. His follow-up single, You Are, reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100, while reaching number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart. Richie's third single from his self-titled album was My Love, which reached number six on the Billboard Hot 100 and also number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart. Richie released his second solo album in 1983 when he officially had left Commodores because he'd now been replaced. Yeah. Um, so his second solo album, released in 1983, was Can't Slow Down, which would give Richie his first album number one on the Billboard Hot 200, plus on the UK album chart as well. While lead single, All Night Long, All Night, gave Richie his second number one on the Billboard Hot 100. His second single from the album continued Richie's success of achieving top 10 chart on the Billboard Hot 100 when peaking at number 7. So every single he's released as a soloist has been in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100. But that's America. UK are different. Correct. Yes, as we know. Um, with which follow-up single, Running With The Night, also reached. So both um, Running With The Night and um uh, i haven't even written down what the second single was that's why but hello? they both hello um uh, i Only would have said the no. one after oh is it yeah that's the... i would have thought that got higher than number seven no that's his third single from the album oh Lead single All Night Long gave Richie's second number one on the Billboard Hot 100. His second single from the album continued Richie's success of achieving top 10 charts on the Billboard Hot 100 and peaking at number seven. That must be Running With The Night. I've written it wrong. So Running With The Night got to number seven. Right, okay, with you. Because if Hello's the third and And All Night Long was the first... I've completely got muddled up when I've written it down, yes. Um, um, The single had an electric guitar solo which was played by Steve Lukather of Toto. That's on Running With The Night, so yes. The third single from the album was Hello, which is probably Richie's biggest hit as it made number one on all three Billboard charts. The Hot 100, the R&B and the Adult Contemporary chart made number one on all of them. It is a well-known song. Although Richie did get a lawsuit due to songwriter Marjorie Hoffman claiming it was very similar to her 1978 I'm Not Ready to Go. So there you go. I don't know the outcome, but I'm guessing nothing come of it. I couldn't yeah, find nothing. Yeah, there was nothing it. about it. So, yeah. The fourth single from the album, Stuck on You, 
got to number three on the Billboard Hot 100. So that means that every single from the first two albums all released were charted in the top 10 of the Hot 100 chart. Just mad, isn't it? And obviously he's got, what, what, three number ones, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, No, four. Are we including Endless Love? No. No, no, no. So Truly All Night Long and Hello. And Hello. But yes. So he's had two solo albums. Every song released has been in the top ten, and he's had three number ones from those two albums. I wonder why he was so Including a number one album. Mm. So his third solo album was in 1986, Dancing on the Ceiling, which, like his previous album, went to number one on the Billboard Hot 200. However, in the UK, it peaked at number two. The albums. Oh, no, so. I've left one out. So on the previous one, he released five singles. Penny Love was the fifth single. Yeah. And again, it reached the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 at number eight. So there you go. He then he released his, his next album, third album. That got to number one. Yeah. And the first single, Say You, Say Me, gave Richie his fourth Billboard Hot 100 number one, meaning each of his last, each of his first three albums had a single reach number one. He's so big. Like, I do get it. He is amazing. But how do you do that? Like, what did he do? Like, for people to fall in love with him? Clearly. It's just mind-baffling how you managed to do that, but what an achievement. And the fact that, as I say, all of his so far have been in the top ten. Let's see if that continues, because his next single release was the title track, Dancing on the Ceiling. And yes, it continued Richie's run in the top ten when reaching number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. So, so far, all the songs that I've listened to have been been the top top ten in America. Which is quite something. That is amazing because I feel like America's hard to well, I know yeah. it's from there, but America is like a harder chart because there's so such a vast yeah. variety. Yeah. So um his third single, A Love Will Conquer All, also just made the top ten when charting at number nine on the hot. I didn't have that one though. It obviously didn't do anything over here. I don't even that, know that if it's his first one that you mentioned yeah. isn't on my list. While the fourth single, A Ballerina Girl, peaked at number seven. Okay. Richie's final single from the Dancing on the Ceiling album was also his final single of the 80s when Cellar was released in 1987. However, it wasn't a commercial success when it became Richie's first single to chart outside the top 10 at number 20. While in the the UK, it charted outside the top 40 at number 43. 
Richie wouldn't release a further album for another 10 years when in 1996 he released Louder Than Words. However, it only charted at number 28 on the Billboard Hot 200, while lead single Don't Wanna Lose You charted at number 39 on the Billboard Hot 100. So it's still in the top 40, 10 years after he was oh, big. Yeah. You know, but but, it does shock me because of how big he is 10 years later. You'd think everyone would rush and buy it because yeah, if, like, if it was oh, say a Michael Jackson, he hadn't yeah. released something for ten years. You, yeah, yeah, everyone I know what would be, be a lot of I, hype. Yeah, I feel like he should have had that same hype and probably should have had the sales. So I'm quite mm. surprised that even ten years later, he's not because he's not released anything in ten years. That's like a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Richie would release a further six solo albums between 1998 and 2012, with his last album being called Tuskegee, after his hometown. Although Richie never saw the success of the 80s, in which he won four Grammy Awards, including in 1985, Song of the Year, for We Are The World, the charity single that Richie co-wrote with Michael Jackson. Ah. So it's a bit like um, we had, obviously, Do They Know It's Christmas over here. Yeah. And um, that was co-wrote by Bob Geldof and Midge Ure. Mm-hmm. The uh, We Are yeah, The World went. American version was co-wrote by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. So there's a <laughs> quiz question answer if ever anyone gets it, because I didn't know that. I didn't even know Michael Jackson, to be honest, had, um, had um, wrote it. So, uh, so yeah. Richie was the first artist to receive an RIAA, Recording Industry Association of America, Diamond Album Award for Can't Slow Down, which is awarded for any album whose units are over 10 million copies sold what? so he has sold 10 million copies of his album can't slow down i mean i'm not surprised so so i was Obviously right now the 80s yeah. yeah yeah mainly 80s um there, the songs that you've given me like I recognise like his big ones and I feel like they're the ones that if you say Lionel Richie, they're the ones you think of, as well as um like when we had when I had the Commodores and I had Easy and Three Times a Lady, I was like, these are Lionel Richie songs and then obviously I found out it's because he was in it that I knew them. So like those those ones are the ones that you think of and they're all eighties, aren't they? So he really did peak in the eighties. But he's mm. still such a I want to say like such a legend now, like, you know, but I am shocked that he didn't get the sales 10 years on. That shocks me. So obviously we know how well he did in America. Mm-hmm. Very, very well is the uh, answer. answer. He's one. probably second. He's probably bigger than Stevie Wonder. Say so. And, and I'm trying to think who else would be 
big over there in that in that you know with Michael Jackson. Um, he is probably second behind Michael Jackson. Yeah, probably, probably bigger than Stevie I Wonder. I can't think of any other you know any other Americans. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen, but he's I wouldn't say he's he's not big though, is he? Big, like so big. no. Whereas, yeah, Lionel Witch is probably the second biggest behind Michael Jackson in America. I'll take that. So, so yeah. I think he's much bigger than Take That. Take That of British, anyway. Well, you just said Take That, that's all. <laughs> anyway, so, did all of the three number ones, do we think, come from Lionel Richie? Do you know what? Maybe, but the only reason I've said Ghostbusters is because of the film. Okay. 1981. When, when, so obviously I've done three songs. I said, originally said three songs. Yes, you did say three, yes. So I've said two all night all long. And on the ceiling. The other one that I did say was hello. Okay. Just in case I'm right. Okay, although you did leave that off for the top three. Yeah, because of Ghostbusters. Yeah, okay. 1981, Endless Love, as you say, with Diana Ross from the film Endless Love. Got to what, number one, did I say, in the US? No, number one in Canada, Brazil, Australia, Japan, oh, and New yeah. Zealand. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that didn't were in America, was it? In the UK, it got to number seven. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, I'll take that. Um, it's a beautiful duet. It really shows off their vocals. Like, it's just beautiful. Um, I really like the turn taken throughout it, and I recognise that one. Okay. 1982. Truly, his first solo release. Got to number one in the US. Mm -hmm. Got to number six in the UK. Okay. Slow and meaningful. It does pick up at the chorus. Um, I did like it, but yeah, he's definitely got better ones in there. 1983. All night long. All night. Got to number one in the US. Mm -hmm. Got to inside the top ten in the UK. Yeah. Got inside the top five in the UK. Mm -hmm. You said number one. I did. It got to number two. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Well, this was his first upbeat song. It's a feel good. It really gets you moving. And it's really, I thought it would be number one because I feel like that's like a, like one of the ones. So, like, that you say Lionel Richie, that's what you think of. 1983, Running with the Night. Also got inside the top 10 in the UK. Charting at number nine. Okay, well, this was a slow burner. It's got a nice story to it, and it is a good piece of music. But I think after having it, having it after the upbeat song of All Night Long, 
brought it back down to yeah but it's like what he's known for those slow mm. ones okay 1984 hello got to number one in the u.s got inside the top 10 in the uk got inside the top five in the uk you had it down as a number one but didn't put it in your final three no i didn't it got to number one in the uk do you know what as you were like talking i saw it i was um should have probably said this one but i thought the other two might have just been that bit bigger well at least i was right with a number one just weren't the ones that i narrowed it down to um it builds you up it builds up as you go on and you really can't help but sing your heart out it's a proper classic one of his i think mm -hmm. 1984 stuck on you number 12 Okay, this is a bit of a sing-along one. It's got a nice tempo throughout. Um, and I think it shows off his balance of like slow and upbeat, how he does it in within one song. Nineteen eighty-four again. Penny Lover. Number eighteen. Oh, really? This was nearly my favourite. It got stuck in my head. Um, this one, um, it's really soft, so I, c I can kind of understand why it weren't a big hit. But I don't know. There's something about it that gets me. Okay, nineteen eighty-five. Say you, say me. Who I thought might be one of the ones that you would put for number one. Don't know why. Um, it was inside the top ten, number eight. Well, I can tell you, this was my favourite. Nah. So uh, that little inkling you had there weren't for a number one. It was my favourite. Uh, it's got a good build up. It's very simple, but it's so catchy. I just love it. Nineteen eighty-six, dancing on the ceiling. Probably my favourite, if I'm honest. Uh, you said number one. It was inside the top ten. However, it was outside the top five. Number seven. No way. So, so far, he's only had hello. I'm shocked. Yes. Um, this would be my favourite, but you know I don't like to do songs that I entirely recognise. Um, this is a complete classic of his. It's so feel-good. Uh, you just can't help but get up. 1986 ballerina girl number 17 yeah this one was probably down there for me it's one of his slowest ones it does paint a really nice picture though and when you watch the video um the video goes along with it really well obviously it is all about what the title tells you um and it's just really soft but yeah it was just a bit too slow for my liking um 1992. Oh, so I've gone into his. Um, yeah. Do it to me. Number 33. Oh. Mm, I say wow, but then there's not much to this song. I like the overlapping lyrics, like how he sings it. But apart from that, there's not much 
not much give, if you know what I mean. And then also 1992, My Destiny, number seven. Oh, it's such a good one to end with. It was catchy. It's nice and calm for the chorus and then builds up for the verses. So I quite like that um, change compared to your normal what you know with songs. But yeah, it was a good end to him, I think. So that was Lionel Richie. Only one number one in the UK, which just shows the difference between going from America to the UK and vice versa. We've seen that, you know, our artists don't do as well in America when they're big over here. And it can similarly be said, you know, when we're just talking at Lionel, which is probably the second biggest male soloist after Michael Jackson, Mm. one number one. But then that's mad because he is big over here. Like, and everyone, like, if you say Lionel Richie, people will be able to give you a list of his songs. Like, his oh, yeah, songs, yeah. Yet they yeah. don't make number one. Yeah. Okay, Nick Haywood. Yeah. So, obviously, we saw him at Rewind. Yeah. So, if you want to know what I thought of my live set, go listen to that episode. Um, I've gone that he's New Wave. Um, and look, seeing him in it, because obviously seeing him at Rewind, I've seen him as a, a however old he is, man. But then watching his videos, he's very young, so young. And his deep voice does not match his face at all. I was looking at him and I was like, this doesn't go. Like What I'm hearing and what I'm seeing are not the same. Um, he's another one that can play instruments. I think he played the guitar. <clears throat> And this is one where I feel like he was in a band, but I can't remember which one. But, but, and I feel like at Rewind, you told me, and that's why it's so in my head with him. I think if we, if we weren't at Rewind, I don't think I would, would have remembered that he's in a band, but it's killing me that I can't remember which one, because you would definitely have told me. Um And style-wise, you know, he brings out those shirts and those high... high High-waisted trousers that are really, really high-waisted. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm actually seeing him with his band at Reading next month. So, Haywood started out in Haircut 100. Uh, I was trying to think who you're going to see. Yes. I remember you telling me now. I can hear it. So in Haircut 100, he was the principal songwriter and had success with one top 10 album, Pelican West, which charted at number two in the UK album chart. While the singles, Favourite Shirts, Love Plus One, Fantastic Day and Nobody's Fool all charted in the top 10. Hayward left the band in 1983 after refusing to attend recording sessions with the band, postponing the release of their next single, Whistle Down the Wind. And it was confirmed that Hayward was leaving. Um, Hayward has since said he had been struggling with stress and depression after a year of constant work and pressure, which led to him being sacked by the other members of the band. So um, it sounds like a bit like um catch a goo goo 
where they yeah, sat. Yeah, they sat. Um, Lamal. Yeah. So, um, and funny um, enough, like Kachagugu, Haircut One Hundred never saw the same success afterwards, and it much, mm. much was could you know was the same as uh, when Kachagugu sat Lamal. So yes. Um, the one thing that caught me there was you said he like refused to record their whistle down the wind. Well, I've no, he, re- he refused to attend more recording sessions with the band and they postponed the release of their next single, Whistle Down the Wind. He, you've, I've got that as a soloist, so well, I want to remember who that. the songwriter would have been. Oh, so, yes. So he's he no longer like, in the band. He took it with They him. can no longer play his songs. With you, yeah, yeah. So after taking a few months out, as we now know from depression, you know, stressed, depressed, whatever way you want to look at it, Mm -hmm. um, Haywood came back as a solo artist with his first single as a soloist being the single which was due to be released by Haircut 100, Whistle Down the Wind. And it charted inside the top 20 in the UK. Okay. His debut album, North of a Miracle, charted inside the top 10 of the UK album chart. And although Haywood would release a further eight studio albums between 1986 and 2017, Nick Haywood has since reconciled with the other members of Haircut 100 and have reformed several times to tour and recently started their current tour of the UK in Belfast. They are playing 16 venues in October and November. And as I say, I will be seeing them in Reading at the end of the month. So although um, Nick Hayward was the principal songwriter and had a lot of success with Haircut 100, he never really had any success as a soloist. So, as I say, he released all those albums. He's released, what, nine studio albums altogether. Never really. And none of them have really, apart from that first one. It can go either way, though, can't it? You can either become a soloist and you go up, or you can become a soloist and everyone prefers the band. And we've seen. Well, the band didn't do anything either. So, it's a a lose lose for both parties, really. It's a shame that, um, I mean, we'll never know what would have happened with Haircut 100 had he stayed. Would Whistle, on the, Whistle Down the Wind had performed better? Who knows? Um, but you, they, I, suppose, I suppose they'd have had a fan base. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, for and whatever reason, that, that fan, fan base didn't follow Nick Haywood as a soloist. Would, yeah, but would half of them have followed him and half of them stayed because Haircut oh. 100 didn't split up, did they? they no, on. they carried on. They'd released so, another album, but again, like Nick Haywood, it didn't reach the height. Have you ever seen Haircut 100 live before? Is this your first time? I'm trying to. Th- no, no, never seen them before. They've only reformed. They've only reformed a few times for tours, and I've never seen. So yeah, Nick Haywood, I've seen at Rewind as Nick Haywood, and obviously he sings the Haircut 100 songs because he wrote them. Yeah. So it's always better, you know, without Nick Haywood in Haircut 100, they're not really going to be the same. No. In fact, I don't think they can do much without Nick Haywood because he has the rights to their main hits. Mm. 
I'm just wondering whether when you see them, they do whistle down the wind and you can see what, what it would sound like as a band. I'm sure they probably will, but so. yeah. Hard, hard to know. Okay, so Nick Haywood, 1983, Whistle Down the Wind, charted in the UK at number 13. Okay, it was a nice start, really good singing, um, upbeat, quite repetitive, but I enjoyed it. Just going back, you said Nick Haywood was one of your number ones when you were when you originally said it. Yeah, Blue Hat for a Blue Day. Okay. 1983 also, Take That Situation, number 11, just outside the top 10. This was my favourite. I really enjoyed it. And I feel like, did he sing this at Rewind? I feel like I enjoyed it there as well, because I did recognise it. I know he sang Blue Hat for a Blue Day, and I know he sang Whistle Down the Wind. Mm. I feel like he might have sang Take That Situation. I feel like you sang it to me, if anything. Um. But the, take that situation just flows really well with the music, the singing, just everything in that piece of work really goes together and it all fits. A, a fantastic piece of work, honestly. 1983, Blue Hat for a Blue Day, number 14. Not number one. <laughs> no. Well, that'd be as big as it. Um, he has range in his voice. And it's got a really catchy chorus. Okay. 1984, Love All Day, number 31. Okay, yeah, this one doesn't sound as authentic. It doesn't just, I don't know, there's something off about it. Um, and it's the same pace throughout. There's no change. 1984, Warning Sign, number 25. Uh, very catchy, repetitive, and not much content. And when you watch the video, this is the one that I sent you a picture of. You go on YouTube, and the first thing you see is this weird, creepy doll, and that freaked me out. But you only see it at the beginning. I made sure I watched the whole video through to see what that was about. I can't tell you why that appeared. Could not tell you, but it was it was so freaky. Don't recommend. And in 1996, Rollerblade got to number 37. Okay, so this one, I think he had a slight change in genre, but I'm not 100% sure because you've not mentioned that he moved genres or anything. But it's very different to the others. Um, softer vocals, so quite like that. And it's got quite a big focus on the music. Okay. Moving on to Fergal Sharkey. Yeah. Who I can't get over is called Fergal Sharkey because the way that it's spelt, it should be like Fergal. And it just baffles me. But anyway, he was in a band, and I think I've remembered this one, The Undertones. Well think, done. Yes, it was. Oh, right. oh, I guess it's right. Okay. Um, I know I don't like The Undertones. So... When I worked that out, I was like, oh, it's not, I don't know how this is going to go. Anyway, I think he's got a very unique voice. Um, I think his name has come up more than just for the undertones, which is why like, I think, I feel like he's done more, but I can't remember. But you definitely mentioned him way more than just for the undertones. Um, 
I'm going with pop rock, maybe pop rock together. Um, he's quite gaunt looking, you know, and he looks in pain a lot. Uh, and he's just very casually dressed. Okay. Fergal Sharkey, born Sean Fergal Sharkey. So Fergal is literally part of his name then? It's his middle name, yes. And obviously he took it as his first name. And I've always known him as Fergal. I don't think it's me saying it differently. um, Because as you say, it's Fergal, not Fergal. But yeah, it's got an A in it. But no, I've always known him as Fergal Sharkey. Uh, He's from Derry, Northern Ireland. He's been active in the music business since 1976. He's a musician, um, synthesizer, actually. And he's also an A&R manager. Um, New Wave. manager. Yeah, we've said that before. Um, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, we've said about an A&R manager before. Um, And I can't remember what A&R stands for in the music business. It's sort of like getting people together and getting them like a mat. Oh, I really can't recall what it is. It's like their booking manager or something like that, I think, an A&R. Arrangement, I can't remember. But anyway, he is an A&R manager or has been. Um, So Genoa's is new wave, pop and punk rock. It's a repertoire. Uh Uh-huh. Negotiate okay. with and sign new artists for record there you go. Yeah. Right, carry on. So Sharkey began his music career with the undertones, where he saw success with singles Teenage Kicks, Here Comes the Summer, My Perfect Cousin, Wednesday okay. Week, and It's Going to Happen. The band split in 1983, citing musical differences. Sharkey then linked up with Vince Clark for his project, The Assembly. Yeah. Which was meant to be an album of songs with different lead singers. However, Clark ended up only recording one song, Never Never, which Sharkey sang the vocals on. So. Yeah, like it it was Sharkey's project. Yeah, no, no, it's Vince Clark's project. And Sharky was the only one he got on it. Yeah. I remember that. So had the project continued, um, Sharky wouldn't be associated as the lead singer of Assembly. No. But because there was only one song in the end, the Assembly is actually Vince Clark, the songwriter, musician, uh, the the writer of the song and obviously the lyrics, uh, the the song, uh, the music. Yeah. Um, And um, Fergal Sharky is the... The vocalist but no, that isn't no. what was meant to happen no i remember you it should about have been that. many different mm. singers and sharky would have just been a guest first one guest um appearance on the assembly project um so in 1984 sharky started his solo career when he released a single listen to your father which was written by Cathal Smythe of Madness. Okay. In 1985, Fergal was then released his self-titled debut album, which charted at number 12 on the UK album chart, and had the singles A Good Heart and You Little Thief. A Good Heart, which was written by Maria McKee, 
who sang and co-wrote the single Show Me Heaven from the film Days of Thunder, which starred Tom Cruise. So, again, one for the uh, the quiz, quiz, any quizzes yeah. out there, who wrote A Good Heart? It wasn't Fergal Sharkey, it was Marie, Maria McKee, who also wrote, as I say, um, Show Me Heaven from Days of Thunder. Uh, a Good Heart charted at number one in Australia, Belgium, Ireland and the Netherlands. Fergal would release a further two albums, Wish in 1988 and Songs from the Mardi Gras in 1991, which saw Fergal Sharkey have his last top 40 hit single with the album's lead single, I've Got News For You. In 2019, Sharkey was awarded an OBE for services to music. Fergal is a lifelong fly fisherman and has campaigned against the pollution of British rivers, particularly chalk streams, and the regulations of the water industry which impact the British water resources. He is now a figurehead for the campaign to prevent water companies dumping untreated sewage into the UK waterways and coastlines. Sharkey has also appeared several times on the TV series Mortimer and White House um, Gone Fishing, where he discussed pollution in English rivers on both. In 2011, Sharkey made a one-off appearance in a set named Erasure plus Special Guests, singing Never Never, which isn't actually an Erasure song. Um, he stated he had not sang live for 20 years and that Vince Clark was the only person he would return for. That's quite cute that they kind of kept their friendship. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. But he didn't sing an Erasure song, but was he meant to? No, what I'm saying is it was an Erasure plus special guests. Right. But Never Never wasn't an Erasure song. It was obviously before Vince Clark had set up Erasure. Um, I'm not sure if it was after Yazoo or before Yazoo, um, assem the assembly. But obviously it was an assembly tune. But obviously because it's written by um, Yeah, but that's what I Vince mean. Clark. Like, were they meant to sing? Well, it's Did called, the, I don't there? know. It was called Erasure and Special Guests. So you'd think it would have been a, a, ra a night of Erasure songs, wouldn't you, with special oh. guests coming on? But yeah, yeah obviously, never, never was the assembly. But because it was written by him. Yeah, but I do know Erasure or Vince Andy Bell has sang um, Depeche Mode's uh, "Can't Get Enough" because that obviously was written by Vince Clark when he was in Depeche Mode, and Andy Bell has covered it as yeah. a way of singing with Erasure. But um, yeah, but you're allowed because he wrote it. You because he wrote that. it. Yeah. yeah. So, Fergal Sharkey, 1984, Listen to Your Father, number 23. Okay. This had a bit of jolliness to it. Uh, very catchy chorus. Other than that, not much else. Okay. 1985, Loving You, number 26. I prefer this one. It was calm and quite nice until he sings. Like, until, to be fair. 
just triggered what this actually sounds like. I preferred this one, but then he sings the lyrics, Loving You, and it's like, Loving You. Oh, it's very weird. Loving You. It's very, very creepy. It's very calm, very nice. And then, Loving You comes out. Oh, Dad, like, honestly. Um, it's slow with a hint of weird. I've legit written that. Um, but the music's really good. It's got a good beat. That's why I prefer it. If if he just didn't sing the loving those two words, if he didn't sing them really weird. Maybe it would have charted better if he had a <laughs> Maybe. Um, 1985 also, A Good Heart. As I say, not written by Virgil Sharkey. Not that he was known as a songwriter anyway. Um, it was written by Marie, Maria McKee. And he got to number one. Oh, stop. I didn't give Fergal Sharky any number ones. <laughs> and this one I recognised. And legit, I think I got to Fergal Sharky and was like, I can't. I've done too many number ones. None of his are that top of the notch. Let's not go too far. Uh, a Good Heart was my favourite. And I legit was like, it's a good one. Sing along. Recognise it. Feel like it's probably been covered or something. Like, because I recognise it, but I didn't really recognise his singing, if you know what I mean. So I might know a different version. Not sure. But I really, really liked it. Oh. It's funny because this is one of the recollections I have when I was younger. My mum used to tape the top 40, which is what people done in those days. <laughs> and me and my sister were told to be quiet because she didn't want to have our voices on the yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Even though I've now know that it wouldn't have recorded our voices anyway. I mean, my mum, there was doors that shut and things like that, and it never come up on there. It just literally only recorded the radio. But I remember this song being one of those songs at that time that was on the radio quite a lot. So I think it was in the charts for quite a long time. Um, but, yeah, um, do remember this this song being on there. It is a good one. Oh, I'm okay. gutted, but that's two number ones. Oh, at least I got one of them. All right. 1986, yeah. You Little Thief, number five. Okay. I can't always understand him in this one. It's got quite shaky vocals. Um, and he uses quite a big band, like, to support it. So he's got loads of instruments in there. And I just think it's quite repetitive. So I wouldn't have put it that high. Mm -hmm. but there we go and then finally in 1991 i've got news for you number 12 okay again this one i wouldn't put that high it's quite in the background i think it's quite different from what he's already done and just very slow like i just yeah it didn't fit didn't fit with him in my head okay Rista Burr mm. so I've gone with soft rock uh he's got a very good vocal range and really he's really calming as well I feel like he's a bit like Lionel in the way that he does love songs but he has those upbeat ones come through to break it up um Missing You, the song Missing You, is from Notting Hill, I think, because the video, I'm sure it's Notting Hill that the video was. Like, I didn't see him in the video. It was just like watching the film. And I'm sure it's Notting Hill. Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Definitely. Uh -huh. 
I feel like it's not in Hill. Um, so that's yeah, it's not in Hill. If that's, that's yeah. from a um, film. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of his hair or eyebrows. He's got very flat hair, and his fringe comes really low, and it just looks. And I don't know. It just looks a bit dirty. Um, and he's got very bushy eyebrows. Not seen such bushy eyebrows. Anyway, he doesn't really put much effort in, which you don't have to do. And to be honest, when you've got his vocals, um, I don't blame him. Um, he didn't really do that many videos. Like I say, Missing You was already a, um, just a film more than anything. So I didn't really see much of him. Um, but yeah, I went for two number ones from him. So we'll see if I'm right with any of these. One was A Spaceman Came Travelling and the other one was Missing You. Okay. So, Christopher, born Christopher John Davison. Where's the DeBurr from? We will see. So he's born in Venado Toretto, Argentina. He's been active in the music business since 1974. He's a singer, songwriter, musician. Um, so he's a guitarist and pianist. Pe- pianist. Pian- pianist. P- pianist, thank you. I always... always you can never think. say it. <laughs> oh, no. Automatically say piano and then pianist. <laughs> yeah, pianist. But I know it's not pianist. Now I'll say pianist. Pianist, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, pop, art, rock. Soft rock is what he's known oh, as. So I've got the soft rock. So De Burr was born in Argentina to a British diplomat. So he took his mother's maiden name as his stage name oh. as a tribute to his maternal grandfather, Sir Eric De Burr, oh, who was a British army officer who had been chief of the general staff in India during the Second World War. I mean, you would want to pay homage to that, wouldn't you? So De Burr signed his first recording contract in 1974 with A&M Records and supported Supertramp on their Crime of the Century tour, which helped De Burr build up a small fan base. Later in 1974, De Burr released his debut studio album, Far Beyond These Castle Walls, along with his debut single, Turning Round. Although the single failed to chart in the UK, it topped the Brazilian chart for 17 weeks. Now, when I look back, I wasn't sure... And I so it could be wrong. It could be the album top the Brazilian charts, not the not the single. But it was hard to work out. Okay. But when I looked at chart positions of of the two, I think it actually might be the album, even though it read as it was a single. Right. So I actually, even though I've said the single top the album top the charts i think it's actually the album top the brazilian charts okay with you this became a familiar pattern for de burr with every one of his 1970s albums failing to chart in the uk or the us yet racked up big sales in continental europe and south america or south american countries so Brazil. He's quite not 
big, but he hits in like the country. So I've seen songs are better for like Latin mm. based. Yeah. Places, I suppose. Um, when you think of South American countries, mm. um, not so much continental Europe. Um, but yeah, although I suppose Spain and Portugal are fair classed as it. Um, so yeah. Um, in 1981, De Burr had his first UK chart entry with Best Moves, a collection made up of his early albums. Um, and then in 1982, The Getaway reached number 30 in the UK charts and number 43 in the US, thanks chiefly to the single Don't Pay the Ferryman. In 1984, the follow-up album Man on the Line charted at number 69 in the US and number 11 in the UK. However, it topped the album charts in Germany and Switzerland. While the album's lead single, High on Emotion, was an international success, reaching the top 20 in several countries and the top five in Ireland, France and Switzerland. However, although making the top 50 in the US, it had similar success or lack of success um, in the UK, when charting inside the top 50, but obviously outside the top 40. In 1986, De Burr released his eighth studio album, Into the Light, which saw its lead single, The Lady in Red, a ballad, a ba a ballad where um, have worldwide success, reaching number three on the US Billboard. Hot 100 and topping the charts in Ireland, Belgium, Canada, Norway, and South Africa, while making the top 10 in another eight countries. The album went on to be to chart at number two on the UK album chart, while making number one in both Ireland and Norway, and number two again in Germany and Switzerland, where his previous album obviously had got to number one. So he was well um, revered in um, Germany and Switzerland. Yeah. So he's got quite, well, he's got, like you just said, eight. But I feel like he might be a better album because mm. his albums seem to have hit quite high. And yeah, okay, like not as much maybe um, so in England, but elsewhere. Um, but considering I've only got five, he's done quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so on the back of the success of Lady in Red in 1986, De Burr's reputation grew, and on the back of the success, and on the back of that success, he then recorded his ninth studio album, which was released in October 1988, over two years since his previous album, and since the success of um, uh, Lady in Red, um, and that's and. Um, the album Flying Colours went to number one in the UK, Ireland and Germany, while the lead single Missing You was number one in Ireland. However, it failed to chart in the US and was outside the top 10 throughout Europe. So Missing You. Yes. See, that shocks me because it's from a film. 
but then it might have got released before the film. Mm. Yeah. The Burr would release a further 14 studio albums between 1992 and 2021, a total of 23 studio albums. But outside of Ireland, De Burr never saw success and certainly not on the level he saw in the mid 80s and especially on the level of The Lady in Red. So, Christopher. Yeah. 1986, The Lady in Red. Number one. God's sake. Turn for three, number one. I thought with a vast amount that our blooming said was number one, I'd get them all. No. Um, it is a beautiful song. It's got a nice focus on his vocals. I really like the lyrics. Um, that was my favourite from him. Mm -hmm. Okay, 1986. A double A with A Spaceman Came Travelling and The Ballroom of Romance got to number 40. Now, funny Ooh. enough, Spaceman Came Travelling, you will find on numerous Christmas albums. It's classed as a Christmas song. Yeah, I've never got it either. That's mad. Well, I recognise The Spaceman Came Travelling. Um, I wouldn't say it's from around Christmas, though. It's not got much to it. But it is a fantastic bit of art. And the ballroom of romance is a head bopper. Good music, fast tempo, um, and it's got a nice uh, mix of instruments in there. Mm -hmm. 1988, Missing You. Although it was a flop pretty much throughout Europe and the US, it got to number three in the UK. Which tells me it might have been because of the film. Because yeah. Notting Hill is obviously a British film as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's a love song. Goes really well with the film. Um, his singing's a bit off a bit, though. Like, I wouldn't have put it as a number one. Not that it was a number one, obviously. But, I mean, my guess. I wouldn't have put it as a number one if it weren't from a film. Because it's yeah. not that great piece of vocal. It wasn't It wasn't number one. It was number three. No, I mean, I like. I said that that might be a number oh, one. Oh, I'm with you, yeah, yeah. I yeah, wouldn't yeah, have guessed it as a number one no. if it wasn't from a film. Right, I'm with you. Okay. 1991, The Simple Truth, number 36. The, um, I say all. It's, a, it's nice to sounding-wise, but when you listen to it more than once, it starts to feel like a preachy Christian song. Like, it stops feeling just like a song. It's, I don't know, I feel like I should be listening to it in church. Um, right. It does sound really nice, though, but the more you listen, the more, yeah, it goes a bit odd, I think. Okay. And then lastly, 1992 Separate Tables, number 30. He didn't hit high, did he? No. Um, I've said this is very up and down, but it's quite ballad-like, so it gave it that bit of something else to it. Okay. So that was Krista Burr's. We move on to Herbie Hancock. Yeah. So, electro-pop. Very electro-pop. If he's anything else, I'd be shocked, because he doesn't do much else. 
it was not what I was expecting. I've had a lovely week. And then Herbie came along. Okay. Um, just music and minimal vocals. Not an artist, more like a producer. I still, to this day, will never understand how music like this gets into the charts. Like, explain to me why someone would want to listen to this. I think I I couldn't pick a favourite. I think I despise this more than the selectors, and that's saying a lot. Um, right. Although the selectors I did refuse to kind of listen to. I did listen to these, but I think on my second listening, I skipped it a bit because I was like, yeah, remember that. Let's move on. Um, the videos, Rocket is an odd video. Bit of technology in there and like just these dancing mannequin legs. And Auto Drive is the same like style of video. It's like just hands. You can just see loads of hands playing instruments. It's very weird. Very right. Weird. Okay. So already I'm thinking I've got my work cut out to influence you. However, well, you may be surprised by what I'm going to tell you about Herbie Hancock. My view. No, probably not, because we always say it's done on the songs and you only had two. But it might change you. Oh, sorry, three. It might. Oh, yeah, because I added one on. It might change what you think of the person. Okay, because at the minute is weird. Right. just a producer and to be fair in i'm glad you sent me i thought it was you because in that one i actually saw herbie i'm guessing it was herbie hancock um and yeah he, he doesn't fit the image of his music he looks like he should be down a soul route you know he's got that vibe about him not this so that okay. threw me off a bit bear with me okay herbie hancock from chicago illinois u.s He's been active since 1961. Um, He's a musician, keyboardist, composer, band leader and record producer. His background or his genres are jazz, electro and jazz funk. So, when you look at him, yeah, he could be a jazz man. When you listen to him, he's not. So, as I said, bear with me. Okay. Hancock developed his ear and sense of harmony by listening to the records of jazz pianists and vocal group The High Lows. Hancock heard PR, p- p- pianist Chris Anderson, stop laughing, just once and begged him to teach him. Hancock has often mentioned Anderson as his harmonic guru. In 1962, Hancock recorded his first solo album, Taking Off, for Blue Note Records, while his first single was Watermelon Man. Although it wasn't a hit for Hancock, it got covered by the following year by Mongo Santa Maria and reached number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. The popularity of the single paid Hancock's bills for f- the next five to six years. Because he was the writer. 
that's mad that that's how much you get. I mean, it would have been a lot cheaper back then to live anyway, but still. The Santa Maria version of Watermelon Man was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1998. Hancock's version was seen as a hard bop sound, while Santa Maria's version was of a Latin pop. Hancock received considerable attention on the back of Watermelon Man, and in May 1963, he joined Miles Davis's second great quintet after Davis had, had, had personally sought out Hancock as he saw him as one of the most promising talents in jazz. Hancock joined the group as the pianist alongside bassist Ron Carter, 17-year-old Tony Williams as drummer and Wayne Shorter on saxophone, with Davis himself on trumpet. This quintet is often regarded as one of the finest jazz ensembles ever. But why didn't he carry on with jazz then? So, Hancock became fascinated in electronic music Sorry, in electronic musical instruments in 1970 and started to venture into the electronic music. And as a soloist, he left Blue Note to sign with Warner Brothers Records between 1971 and 73. Hancock released three albums known as the Mirandish albums, so-called after a Swahili name Hancock sometimes used during this era. Among the instruments used were ARP synthesizers, the Odyssey, the 2600 and the Pro Solarist, a Moog synthesizer 3 and a Mellotron. In 1973, Hancock formed the Headhunters and in 1974 he composed a soundtrack to the film Death Wish. The Headhunters' first album or the Headhunters album, as it was, um, sold more than one million copies with their fused jazz, funk and rock music. In 1983, Hancock had a pop hit with the Grammy Award winning single Rocket from his album Future Shock. It is seen as the first jazz hip-hop song and became a worldwide anthem for breakdancers and for hip-hop artists in the 1980s. It was also the first mainstream single to feature scratching as well as an innovative animated music video which was directed by the duo Godly and Cream of 10CC and obviously they went on to be Godly and Cream they, anyway as well and, they did, and they're good at cry, videos aren't they a good video yeah cry yeah, yeah. Hancock has released 41 just let that sink in what albums studio albums between 1962 and 2010. Okay. 
Hancock won an Academy Award, an Oscar, in 1986 for the best original score for Round Midnight. Hancock has won 14 Grammy Awards, including Best R&B Instrument Performance for Rocket. So, that is your introduction to Herbie Hancock. The jazz, one of the finest jazz people, um, one of the people who brought electronic into the breakdancing aspect of, of stuff with scratching and has won an Oscar for his um, soundtrack score on Round Midnight. And also wrote the mu the the theme tune for Death Wish. Um, so I should think he's not really bothered that you think he's weird, because I'll be honest, when I was writing about him, it's it's sure, quite a varied career. And uh, let's not forget as well, he's got a single, although not although he did sing it, it's not his version, um, but he did write it. Was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, but he's weird. (laughs) Why leave the jazz scene and actual music to play around with sounds? I just don't get it. Or not even. Why leave? Why? Why just sounds? I would never understand people that do just sounds. As I say. He's seen as a innovative leader um, of the sounds that he had and how he did it. Not just from the jazz with Watermelon Man, but even from the electronic with Wocket. So it just shows you not everything is as it seems. It is. So, Herbie Hancock. In the UK, um, 1978, I thought it was you, got to number 15. Right, but that's the most normal one he has, so I'll accept it, because we have vocals, but they are very programmed. Um, I reckon he could have a really nice voice, like if he didn't mess around with stuff, and actually sung. Mm. Maybe you need to listen to his earlier stuff, as I say, maybe Watermelon Man, his version, obviously. Um, 1983, Rocket was a top 10 hit at number eight. But, Dad, You've got to remember, this is the the, the type of music, though, it's... And this was before its time. We weren't into hip-hop and all that scratching until house music and later on. He was the first, one of the first, if not the first, to to bring it into the electronic music in the early eight, early 80s. was just the electronic music was just starting out. So he, he, he left the jazz. He knew that jazz wasn't really going to, not worldwide success. So he changed to the electronic because that was what the music was. But not only that, he added in the, the, the scratching and all that, which wasn't a thing until the late 80s. He was ahead of his time. 
yeah, I get that. Hats off to him. Well done. Congratulations. But why do people listen to music with no lyrics? Like, I can't just listen to... I have to... I, feel, I don't know. Maybe it's because... you got to remember like, back, back in that time. This would have been around the same time as Vangelis, Chariots of Fire. You know, um, the, the, the themes and things like well, that. Though. You know, the, the, there was a lot going on back then and that's what you've got yeah, to remember it's not a, now a lot going on of nothing i just don't get yes okay it was that time and you would have had all that but i will never understand why that was a thing why is no lyrics no vocals no nothing no body of like anything in some songs why do people choose to do that why do people choose to put that on i don't just think oh i'm gonna play a bit of herbie hancock a bit of rocket on no but then, you, want you can really get around to as we've mentioned in groups to. one of the biggest selling songs of the 80s was trios da 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 yeah that was awful one of the biggest selling singles yeah, but that was awful exactly just like this i keep waiting for the lyrics music put together i just can't i just can't that's what i think about it go on what did okay. auto drive do so that was released in 1983 and got to number 33 yeah see people have more sense by the time it got to that one i have literally written i have no words that's it no words it just sounds okay moving on to Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. I don't really know his genre because his two songs are a bit different from one another. Um, and to be honest, I think he's probably just known for Ghostbusters and then nothing lived up to it. Like, you did that, you gave me one more, that might have hit, and then that was it. That's his life, done. Um, he does seem to have good energy, though. Um, and he's one that just, you know, high trousers, you know, way up there. But, yeah, I think he's just really known for Ghostbusters. Okay. Which is why I put that as a number one. So now I'm really intrigued as to where that did come. So Ray Parker Jr. from Detroit, Michigan, US. Been active since 1963. He's a musician, singer, songwriter. Um, so he's vocalist and guitarist. He's also a record producer and an actor. Um, so Parker gained recognition during the late 60s as a member of Bohannon's house band at the 20 Grand Nightclub. Um, this Detroit hotspot often had Motown acts, of which one, the Detroit Spinners, were so impressed by the young guitarist that they added him to their touring group. So there you go, Ray Parker Jr., was part of the touring group of the Detroit Spinners, or the Spinners as they were back then, I think. Um, Parker Jr. then recorded and co-wrote his first songs at the age of 16 with Marvin Gaye. So he's just got, he could name drop, really. He's yeah. just there. Um, and he got to know Marvin Gaye through his Bohannon relationship. Um in 1972, Parker Jr. was a guest guitarist on Stevie Wonder's funk song, Maybe Your Baby. 
So he played guitar on that. And was also the lead guitarist for Wanda when Wanda supported the Rolling Stones for their 1972 tour. So he didn't really have to do much, did he? He's already there with everyone. He was a touring guitarist for the Detroit Spinners. Mm. He's wrote songs with Marvin Gaye. And he's been the lead guitarist for Stevie Wonder. Man. Not bad so far, is it? Considering it as his career even started yet. Yeah. So, in 1977, Parker Jr. created the R&B group Radio. That's R-A-Y-D-O, because of Ray oh. Parker Jr. Radio. Yeah, yeah. Clever. Um, who scored their first hit with Jack and Jill. From their 1978 self-titled album with Arista Records. And the song reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100. Their follow-up album, 1979's Rock On, had the hit You Can't Change That, which also made the Billboard Hot 100 top ten when reaching number nine. And then in 1980, the group became known as Ray Parker Jr. and Radio and had a further two top 40 hits with two places at the same time that come at number 30 in 1980. And that old song, which reached number 21 in 1981, their last and biggest hit, A Woman Needs Love, Just Like You Do went to number four on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the R&B chart for two weeks in 1981. So Ray Parker Jr. earned his stripes. Yeah, but he did a lot before he even did anything. Yeah. So radio broke up in 1981 and Parker Jr. continued with his solo career. Following his hit single, The Other Woman, which reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1982, he was asked to write the theme tune for the film Ghostbusters. So he even wrote it. The film was a box office success when it when released in 1984, and the single Ghostbusters went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 on the back of the film's success. The song was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song in 1984. However, it lost out to Stevie Wonder's I Just Call to Say I Love You from the film Woman in Red. Now, bearing in mind that Ray Parker Jr. Already was lead with... guitar for Stevie Wonder, I'm sure he was the first to congratulate him. Yeah. So, however, Parker did score, uh, secure a Grammy Award in 1984 for Best Pop Instrument Mental Performance. Um, and Parker has gone on to write and produce... Hits for New Edition, Mr. Telephone Man, Denise Williams, I Found Love, among others. Parker Jr. also performed guitar on several songs for Latoya Jackson's 1980 debut album. In 1984, 
Huey Lewis sued Columbia Pictures, the makers of Ghostbusters, and Parker Jr., stating that the melody to the Ghostbusters theme song infringed on the copyright of the Huey Lewis and the News song, I Want a New Drug, from their album Sports, which was released in 1983, a year before Ghostbusters. So, obviously, it wasn't a coincidence. They could say, well, this was out a year before you've heard it and have used it. So, a settlement was reached in 1995, which included a forbidden, which included either party being able to reveal any information that wasn't included in the statement that was given out by their lawyers. Oh, okay. So they were forbidden from talking about it outside of Unless what had already been said. What? Yeah, yeah. Now, in 2021, Parker filed a suit against Lewis for breaking this settlement. So obviously Lewis has come out and said what happened. With a bit more. And um, obviously then Parker has filed a lawsuit against him because nothing was said. So um, I'm guessing if if it was settled and that, that obviously... um, I mean, I've checked and Huey Lewis hasn't got any writing credits to the song Ghostbusters. It is just Ray Parker Jr. Um, Right. So whereas normally if if. um, So if you look at. Oh, I've forgotten the song now by the uh, local group to me, Abingdon. Who's the group from Abingdon? Radiohead. Mm. Creep. If you look at the creep, it has got. Um, someone else in the in the oh, credits, nothing to do with them, to... because um, of of a similar claim right. that obviously then went so, their way. So when I've they went to court, and Lewis Ghostbusters, of... Huey Lewis, who was the writer of most of Huey Lewis and the news's yeah. stuff, he is not credited, which tells me although it was settled, it must have mainly been a money settlement rather than anything Probably. else. Yeah, and maybe it didn't come as come to as much as yeah. like maybe it was like overreacting that bit. But obviously, we don't know the full ins and outs because they're not allowed to say anything outside the statement. Yeah, and um, obviously, as I say, um, Huey Lewis at some time has, and he was he sued. Got. I don't know. I can't find any information around it. So but that was recent, it was obviously settled. Yeah, so obviously, you know, it's quite a bit on, and obviously Huey Lewis maybe he's had an autobiography or said it mm, on a radio I show. Like that, I don't yeah. know. I can't find anything about it. But um, I obviously probably can't find anything about it because they've just, they're like, delete yeah. everything. Yeah. So, yes. Hmm. So, Ray Parker Jr., friends of Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Detroit Spinners, among others. Latoya Jackson. Yep. Um, 1984, Ghostbusters. From the film Ghostbusters. Yeah. The first one. Um, hard to say. I, like, I do because I do like the second one as well. They were, I mean, the 80s films, when they had the 
the follow-ups, they they couldn't. They were almost as good as the first. Do you want me to tell you something? Yeah. Never seen it. Joking me. Yep. I know exactly what happened, but I've never seen it. Uh, Didn't even know there was a second (laughs) until now. I didn't know there was a second. Um, it got to number two. Number two. Oh. Who beat it? Funny enough, I did look and I can't remember. So I never wrote it down. Well, I really like his voice and it's really catchy. It's just a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Ghostbusters. I like the song, just not like it's funny that I really know the song, never seen the film, which is why I Mm -hmm. thought that's the number one because I know it without seeing the film. But and anyway, I'll blame you for me not seeing the film. You brought me up. It's an eighties film. I've got the DVD. I never showed it to me, did you? You're not. That's it. I I knew it, and I'd forgotten. Go on. Number one, I just called to say I love you. Uh, I just called. So not only did he do him out of being number one in the UK, he done him out of an Oscar as well. Yeah. From the film Woman in Red, which is another good film. Never heard of that one. Yeah, uh, Kelly LeBrock and Gene Wilder. No, I like Gene Wilder. It's a funny. It's a funny one. But it's good. So Ghostbusters was number two for three weeks. And I just called to say I love you, kept him off the chart for the whole of the three weeks. At least it was the same one. Yeah. Like, you know, it would have been annoying if someone else got past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then 1987, I don't think that man should sleep alone. Got to number 13. Okay. It's the complete opposite of Ghostbusters. It's very beautiful, very smooth. Um, he's really talking to someone. And I just like the song, so that was my favourite out of the two. Okay. So we come to the bit where did I influence you? Hit or miss? Yeah. Lionel Richie. Hit. He's fantastic, he is, isn't he? Yeah. Nick Hayward. Hit. And do you know what? I don't think I thought that much of him at Rewind. Um, but listening to him now, I really, really like him. Did enjoy him. Okay. Fergal Sharkey or Fergal Sharkey? Uh, miss. Ooh. But I didn't like the undertones either, so... No. Christopher. Hit. Really enjoyed him. And do you know what? He was someone that when I was listening to it for the first time in the car, I was like, oh, I really like this. And mm-hmm. so I was excited to listen. Like, when I got to his notes, I was really excited because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember his. Like, I really enjoyed his in the car. So he had that impact on me as well. The Jazzman, Herbie Hancock. Not a Jazzman. I have written down his Watermelon Man, <laughs> so I will listen to that. But no, he's a complete miss. No matter how much you try and influence that on me, that like his past and what he's done. No, 
Not happening. <laughs> Not bad for a miss, someone who's a miss of uh, 41 studio albums. Yeah. An Oscar. No. Like you say, I don't think he'll care. Bit like Fergal Sharkey, you know. He's got an OBE, you haven't. Yeah, well, don't care. <laughs> and lastly, I'm, I'm like in my life putting judgment on all of these. Okay. <laughs> and lastly, friend of Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Latoya Jackson, member of Detroit Spinners, or the Spinners as they would have been on their tour when they toured, is Ray Parker Jr. Hit. As much as his two songs were different from one another, I did really enjoy him. Okay. Well, that's not bad then. Two misses, yeah. four hits. One of the best weeks so far. Yeah, but I did I say so. it was a top, like there were some top songs this week, I tell you. Okay. okay. I'm guessing now you want to know who you've got next week. Yes, next please. Week. When I find it. Keep me in suspense here. I know, I'm sorry. I normally have it ready. Uh, there we go. So it will be episode 13. And you will have... Alexander O'Neill. Never heard of it. Oh my god, I think this is the first week that the first one you've said I've not heard of. Julio mm. Iglesias. No. And <laughs> I wanted to be like, do you mean Enrique Iglesias? <laughs> you don't. Julio Iglesias. Julio. Julio. Okay. Paul Hardcastle. No, but the way that you've just said that, I've heard you say that name before. Falco. And he's not the footballer, the Brazilian footballer either. Oh, yeah, because that's what I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> Jan Hammer. No. What earth is this week going to be? And Divine. No. So, I'm a bit worried. This is going to be a good one. I look oh, forward to next worried. week <laughs> when we discuss Alexander O'Neill, Julio Iglesias, Paul Hardcastle, Balco, Jan Hammer, and Divine. Yeah, we'll see what I think of them. Yeah. Some funny names there. Yeah, and I will just let you know now there is a rocket in there, there is a Herbie Hancock. Don't why let me know that? Um, well, I haven't told you who. Yeah, but you've told me, so now I have that expectation to <laughs> not look forward to. Great. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so I shall send you me. over the songs. Yeah. Some of them will have singing in them. There is a few that won't. Um, right. Can you just go now? <laughs> I will, because as I said, I will send over those songs. But other than that, I will say au revoir. Till next week. Bye, Dad. See you.